Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and today I'm going to give you the approach to patient presentations so that you can demolish your emergency medicine clerkship and get that coveted top one-third ranking in your slow. In this episode, there's one thing that I really need you to understand. Listen up. Your patient presentations are the single most important skill that you need to develop as a medical student on this clerkship, if not every clerkship. You just cannot get a top one-third ranking on your slow if you don't master some sort of organized, thorough, and focused presentation style. It doesn't matter how compassionate you are, how smart you are, how amazingly excellent your bedside manner is, because your attendings are busy and they're probably not going to notice that. That's just the truth. That's just the way things work. Now, there are a lot of different ways to do patient presentations, but what you need to develop is an organized, thorough, and focused style. The version I'm recommending is based on the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine's paper. This was a paper published a few years back, and it was called The Three-Minute Emergency Medicine Medical Student Presentation. Recently, this paper was kind of revitalized by EMRA, and they made a video of it, which was hilarious, and demonstrated all of the principles of this paper. That is the standard emergency medicine presentation style. I encourage you to check out the video, and I'm going to kind of summarize it and rehash it for you here, just in this podcast episode. There are eight steps. I know it sounds like a lot, but each step is very short, and this whole presentation takes far less than three minutes. It's a very quick presentation style. Here's the approach. Step one, the most important step, you need an engaging summary statement. There's three parts. It's always the same. You say demographics, all of the patient's risk factors, and the chief complaint. So for example, this is a 40-year-old male with a past medical history of tobacco use and completely uncontrolled type 1 diabetes who presents with chest pain. Then step two, This is where you do your OPQRST mnemonic or your Codier mnemonic, and you tell a story of the history of the present illness. For example, the pain started two hours ago, suddenly, while he was playing with his kids, and he describes it as a crushing pain that radiates to his right shoulder and gets worse every time he starts walking. Step three, you list approximately five pertinent positives or negatives. You can list a little more or a little less, but if you're saying one or two, you're not being thorough enough, and if you're saying 10, you're not being focused enough. So the magic number is approximately five. For example, this patient has shortness of breath and vomiting, but no fever, cough, or lower extremity edema. Step four. Now you go into the physical exam portion of things. Step four, the vital signs. Just summarize them. He is tachycardic, but otherwise his vital signs are within normal limits. Now, step five, you say about three pertinent findings from when you did your thorough physical exam. The patient's heart is regular rate and rhythm, his lungs are clear to auscultation bilaterally, and he has no lower extremity edema. You are now done with these five steps rehashing everything you did in the room with that patient. And you're saying, wait, Zach, you didn't mention the family history, the social history, all of that. When did you mention that? I did. And remember, it was in that summary statement right at the beginning where you list the risk factors. Now, in this section, you're not listing things like carpal tunnel and old tooth extractions and things like that. You're just saying the pertinent risk factors from their history. If you had a family history of sudden cardiac death at the age of like 25, 
that would go in that first summary statement as well, and it would sound a little different. So yes, we did mention it. It doesn't deserve its own section, though. Next, you move on to step six, seven, and eight. Step six is where you give your differential diagnosis. And here's the key. You need to argue for and against each one of these briefly. So this is how I do it. Uh, My first item on my differential diagnosis is acute coronary syndrome. Because he's a smoker with diabetes and high-risk story, including pain that's getting worse on exertion and radiating to his shoulder. I also considered pulmonary embolism. He's shortness of breath and he's tachycardic, but he doesn't have any lower extremity edema or anything like that. I considered pneumonia, but he has no fever and no cough. It could be pneumothorax. He has some shortness of breath. He's not really coughing, but he is a smoker. And then you go on to step seven, which is the workup portion of your plan. And this is easy. You just list them. I want an EKG and a troponin, a chest x-ray, some electrolytes, and a D-dimer. And then step eight, this is the last one, your treatment. What do you want to do? I'm going to give them some aspirin, some morphine, and some nitroglycerin. And then you're done. Now let me just put all of these together so you can hear how it sounds. Step one, this is a 40-year-old male with a past medical history of tobacco use and type 1 diabetes who presents with chest pain. Step two, it started two hours ago, suddenly, while he was playing with his kids. It's crushing, radiates to his right shoulder, and is getting worse every time he walks. Step three, he has shortness of breath, vomiting, but no fever, cough, or lower extremity edema. Step four, he's tachycardic, but otherwise his vitals are within normal limits. Step five. His heart is regular rate and rhythm with no murmurs, gallops, or rubs. His lungs are clear to auscultation bilaterally, and he has no lower extremity edema. Step six. I think this is acute coronary syndrome. He has a history of smoking with some uncontrolled diabetes, and this really high-risk story, including pain that's worse with exertion and radiating to his shoulder. But I also considered a pulmonary embolism. He's short of breath. He's a little bit tachycardic. I considered pneumonia, but he doesn't have a fever. He's not coughing. I considered pneumothorax. Even though he's not coughing, he does have a history of smoking, and he is a little bit short of breath. So, step seven. My plan is to get an EKG and a troponin, a chest x-ray, a D-dimer, and some electrolytes. And then I'm going to treat him with step eight. Aspirin, morphine, nitroglycerin. And then you're done. That's it. You just did all eight steps. Less than three minutes is beautiful because it covers everything. It's focused. It's organized. This is the approach you need to learn if you want to get top one-third on your slow. That wraps up this episode. Remember, you must master an organized, thorough, and focused patient presentation style if you want to get anywhere close to a top one-third rank on your slow. It is by far the single most important skill you can develop. I say this every episode. If you found this podcast helpful, please mention it to another medical student. My goal is to help teach as many of you guys as possible, and I would truly appreciate you spreading the word. Otherwise, until next time, just keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.